Hello, and welcome to Manga Splaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, along with David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week's show is, we're going to try and class it up a little bit, but <laughs> knowing us, not that much. <laughs> this week, we are going to talk about a manga that I've been talking about and threatening to inflict upon the boys for a while. It is Blue Giant by Shinichi Ishizuka. It's a manga by jazz. But besides being our first manga about music, this is also going to be the first manga, I think, we're going to start midway. That's right. We are starting not with volume one. We're starting with volume five and six. Now, this doesn't count the time when Chip read the wrong volume of Phoenix. So <laughs> oh, come just on. Just putting that out there. But that was the first <laughs> volume of Phoenix. So in a way, yeah. made the, it was the right move. Yeah, it's true. I, it's true. I refuse to acquiesce to that interpretation of events. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is the first time we're doing it on purpose. To try to ease everyone else into the world of Blue Giant, I did what was basically like a book report. I summarized volumes one through four in a little document that gives the highlights of it that I will later on share on MangaSplainedExpert.com so you too can enjoy. Here's what happened before, and then you can rejoin us later. You can turn off the podcast now, and we'll wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> now that they're gone. <laughs> now that they're gone. Can you believe what they were wearing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Put some clothes on to listen to our podcast, people. <laughs> I got to get dressed for this. So do you. <laughs> so this is Blue Giant by Shinichi Isikuka. It is published by Seven Seas Entertainment. It is translated by Daniel Coleman. Letter and Retouch by Ludwig Sacramento, cover designed by Kaoru Kuroki and Blue Baybridge Studio, and Nikki Lim, and edited by J.P. Sullivan. So this is a double-sized volume. It is Blue Giant is a 10-volume series in Japan, so it, 70s is putting them on as double-sized volumes. Let's read the synopsis. At long last, Dai finally forms his own band. After months of practicing alone in Tokyo, Dai meets a brilliant pianist named Yukinori. In some ways, the two of them couldn't be more different. Dai is all about passion and inspiration, while Yukinori values perfect technique. It'll take some adjusting for Dai to appreciate Yukinori's feelings about music and to find a third man for their group. So basically what happened in volumes one through four, we meet Dai, who is a high school student in Sendai. He falls in love with jazz. He learns, he starts to play the saxophone. He's kind of self-taught, so he gets a teacher. He has some ups and downs, some triumphs, some hardships and he eventually moves to Tokyo and that's when volume five and six kicks in when he's in Tokyo he meets for the first time a pianist named Yukinori Sawabe changes I guess how his career goes forward it's interesting because like you know I could have started with volume one one to two as I thought about it the most interesting parts of Blue Giant happen in volumes five and six when Dai is out of high school he's a young young man in Tokyo and that's when you start really seeing this dynamic between him wanting to become a professional and having to work with other musicians who are his age. This makes it much more, to me, this feels much more interesting than with volumes one to four, which kind of felt like a sports shonen manga where it's like a high school boy gets into jazz, overcomes all these adversities, and then tries to become the best one is. But the tone changes a little bit when you get to volume five. That's why I picked that one. Who should I pick today? <laughs> Chris. 
<laughs> David, David, yeah. let's start with David. <laughs> David, what did you think of Blue Giant? I think you were exactly right in recommending this because it was really good. Mm. There was one thing that I didn't like at all. It kind of pulled me out a little bit, but we'll get to it later. But mm-hmm. overall, this really captured the feeling of being on a team and like working for trying to find a way to like better the team as a whole rather than just playing, you know, like alone for your own benefit. And there are so many scenes that are just like, you know, the concept of like an ecstatic, like a person who's like transcending through art or through their work or that kind of thing. This feels like that kind of book to me where they're on stage, they kind of sink into the zone and all that exists is jazz. And the drawings are just, you know, them playing. It's not like, you know, notes or songs. It's just like poses. Mm. And I don't know, you really feel the focus. Like I got a lot out of those scenes. So yeah, I liked it a lot. I like I like that you just kind of dropped like, oh, there's something I don't like, but you'll find out later. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do love a mystery yeah, in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also unpause the podcast. We're back. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's so much of this, like, also, I wanted to say, I didn't read your summary before I read it, because I was curious if it would make sense without. And then mm. yeah, I went back, of course, afterward. And this would actually read almost totally fine as a first volume for me if there was like, maybe two or three pages of people saying their names. Mm. Really? Because like, it yeah. gets right into the swing of things. I never felt lost or anything like that. Wow. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that yeah. for sure. Yeah, same. I picked it right up. Yeah. Even looking at your note, the stuff that's happening looks fun, like stuff that I would enjoy, but I wouldn't have guessed any of it came before what we read, you know? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Basically what we're all saying is you did all that work for nothing. (laughs) It's just (laughs) terrible, terrible personship. (laughs) This is is all an experiment, but I'm glad to hear (laughs) it. On that note, I'm curious, Jeff, what did you think of Blue Giant? I really liked it. Yeah. I was surprised at how much I liked it because at first I was just like, it, 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 I mean, I mean, I don't have a lot to compare it to, but it felt like a sports manga shown in like learning something, learning how to fight and getting better and kind of taking on enemies. But then I realized there's no enemies, <laughs> which was actually really refreshing. Like, like <laughs> the fact that Yukonori was the enemy in this. Mm-hmm. But really, it's just like a friend who's really good at something challenging you to be better at, at the thing as well. I really like the the trio with them and the roommate who turns into the drummer. I, I get why you suggested this volume or these volumes, because I think bringing in the drummer uh, character kind of gives you the, the new the new person mm-hmm. entryway into all of this. So you're not just following somebody who's really good teaming up with somebody who's better. It it created a really interesting dynamic, I think, between the three. There were were moments when I was kind of like pulled out of it just from the fact that it's a manga about guys who play this music really well, but it's a comic. So I'm not like, (laughs) it's it's hard for me. Like, you know, I, I I had your playlist going. Oh, you did? Yay. Nice. While I was reading. But even still... That didn't feel like what this was trying to get across. Mm. The, the, the kind of the, the jazz from your playlist felt kind of like polished, and and these guys felt like just like in your face 
Like the fact that Dai's sound is described as loud, like that's his thing. He's just loud. And then uh, you can know he's just like, oh, just like that one hand, like playing that one note or doing, you know, something kind of like that really only. Like the fact that it's done in a comic, I get why they, they did it that way, because it's just like, how else are you going to get across that these guys are good? <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Like, all right, this guy's loud. So you can show loud in a manga. And this guy's thing is his left hand. So, of course, you can show that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, man. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there was clearly a lot of kind of thought put into this and a lot of, a lot of interesting ways to show progress and process. Mm. Which I, which which I think elevated a lot more than just these guys are getting better with every step of the way, yeah. and the humor was amazing too. Like, yeah, I laughed out loud several uh, points during this. I thought it was oh. super charming. I think the only place where it sometimes falls down is in the art. Once in a while, there'd be a page where I'm just like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> like <laughs> the <didn't>... finger. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 that that finger almost killed me. <laughs> so I, I screen grabbed it too <laughs> but then there's, then there's stuff like you know I don't have page numbers but it's a shot of a guy playing with a oh, trumpet oh the Percy Brown yeah. the professional per- yeah and, and, and the speed lines behind them contrasting with the kind of the radial speed lines coming mm. from the, the trumpet or trombone or whatever I don't know what I'm looking at <laughs> it's trombone I thought, I thought that was great but then every once in a while, there'd be a shot where it's like it really trying to sell something. Mm. Again, I don't really have page numbers, so I apologize. Mm. But like them kind of playing together, like oh. the background doesn't work. The hatching doesn't work. The gray tones definitely don't work. The white highlights. That's the scene where Dai is playing for T- Tamada by the riverside. Yeah. 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 So every once in a while, there'd be a scene that's supposed to like kind of evoke a feeling. I'm just like, oh, I'm the kind of, I get a little pulled out when what they're going for doesn't quite work aesthetically but those those moments were so few and far between yeah i was just i was just kind of caught up in it this gets one of my you know my rare chip i want to continue this book oh wow nice mm. i don't know when i will but <laughs> but I, I i do want to see the next step in the characters lives that sounds good yeah chris what did you think same <laughs> 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 it was a Chris, real... did you do the homework? I didn't read your description of books of books one to four. I apologize, but I did finish the books moments into the beginning of this podcast, so I am fresh, having read it. <laughs> it was a real. I was not expecting how it opened, and that was being in a shitty, dingy little club in Tokyo, and really selling what that feels like, and then the like hilarious bathroom joke <laughs> with die and hit someone peeking over, over the divider to see his dick and i yeah it so thoroughly set a place and a time and a mood for me as someone who has spent a lot of time in dingy little bars in tokyo that it was like instantly i was transported there i was like instantly on board i knew exactly where we were i knew how these guys were for the most part and i was good to go and it's weird because I don't have not found myself enjoying this kind of jazz that they're talking about in the past. I like mm-hmm. like fifties, forties jazz, like Sarah Vaughan, early Ella, that kind of stuff. And then like more contemporary jazz. I just 
I've gone to jazz clubs. I had a friend whose girlfriend would just like was playing jazz, and so we would just go. And I, uh, yeah, I just bounce off it so hard that I was not sure what to expect about this book. I've always actually kind of resisted reading it. And mm. from page one, it put me, and this is like me in my life, uh, it put me into a world where I instantly felt very familiar. It felt, felt familiar to me. I felt very comfortable. And I was just like, okay, let's see what these guys do. Like I was on board. And that was amazing, especially for a volume five, but especially for a book about a subject ostensibly that I didn't care about. And yeah, by the time I got to the end, I, I want to see what's next. I actually am really interested in this story. I think it's being told in a really interesting way. I think that there's a lot of stuff there about, well, you know, just to further what both David and, and Chip said, the stuff about being on a team and working together and how that's different than being like an all-star, like in every shonen manga. You know what I mean? Not every shonen manga. We'll have to read Haikyuu at some point. But yeah, it's just this idea of like, like working on something like that, regardless of what the the actual thing is, you know, the actual plot is about, is fascinating. The way they show music is really interesting. They're really good at sound, showing sound. Obviously, it's never going to hit the same way that it would if we were watching it live. But yeah, you know, I've I've so much to say actually about it that I don't want to go on too long. But yeah, I will say it took me a little bit to get onto the art, especially when he's drawing the faces of the three characters sort of in 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 sequence, you know what I mean? I think he get he lets he lets it down a little bit. They get a little bit same face syndrome-y, which we've encountered before. And his art really reminds me of Urasawa Naoki a lot. Like oh, same. Like he's like patterning his work almost after Urasawa. He's just yeah. like no one's as good as Naoki Urasawa as <laughs> the problem. So like you see little bits where it's like it's like a stumble. It's not quite there, especially with his really deft handling of caricature. I think that that is something that this artist is definitely attempting and is, is almost there. I, I, I think, yeah. I think yeah. as we keep reading it, it's probably just going to get better and better. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say right flat out, even if you don't, even if you aren't into jazz or think you're not into jazz, this is a really good manga about people learning to do things and wanting to be better at things. And I think that that's awesome. So. Which means it's your turn, Deb. What did you? I mean, obviously you recommended it. You picked it for to host today. She actually hated it. Actually hated it. <laughs> oh man! Wow. The more you guys talk, the more I decide I hated it. <laughs> it's interesting because, like, I love music. I've I've loved music for a long time, but I've never been able to play music. I don't understand music theory. I can't read notes. I've never played an instrument. But so, and jazz has always kind of been like something kind of mysterious to me, you know? It's like something that cool people like, but <laughs> I don't exactly understand it. I don't understand its history. I don't understand what how it works. And I definitely didn't understand how you can just jam. Like, mm. like somebody can just jump on stage with the people they've never played with before and play something that sounds good. Like, yeah. that's just mysterious and magical to me. And so the way that Yukinori was explaining to Dai, like, hey, you know, don't just play anything. There's a frame. I mean, I'm going to play something and play within this frame and from there, within this frame, you can go nuts. And it's like, oh, that's how they do this. Mm. So it's not super explainery, but it does bring you along for the ride just enough so you appreciate what they're doing and you appreciate their passion. But also, one, one thing I really enjoyed about this is it really talks about the passion for music. And it's not just mm -hmm. about being really good. Like There's this one chapter that I really enjoyed. It was chapter chapter 42. When Yukinori goes to the music store 
and he observes mm. people buying musical instruments. And there's a salary man who was returning a trumpet, sadly, as mm-hmm. a construction worker who's buying an expensive trumpet and then has to try to convince his wife that this was okay to like, please <laughs> let me keep it. <laughs> like, please let me keep this puppy kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's all wordless and just expressions and yeah. And he's watching high school students trying their musical instruments for the first time. And Yukina kind of like gets inspired to write his first song for his band, like about the, that first experience of music. There's also a chapter at the end, where the bonus book, where Dai is just playing by the riverside and all kinds of people run by, float by, <laughs> are nearby, and then they're reacting to the jazz. Yeah. So those little moments are really sweet. But you're absolutely right about Nanaoki Urasawa influence. He actually does say that. Oh, really? Oh. Mm-hmm. He started drawing manga professionally at age 29. He went to college in, in US. Hmm. His first manga was about mountain climbing. Oh, wow. But he was inspired to get into drawing manga by reading Master Keaton by Noki Urasawa hmm. and uh, Kosakushima by Kenshi, <laughs> which is another one of our favorites. So you can kind of see that, right? Because course, one thing I loved about Blue Giant, and specifically during the pandemic, is how it was so uplifting. Mm. It was mm. it was positive and fun, but still kind of moved along. You know, he died and has his ups and downs, his triumphs and his problems. But Dai is an interesting character in that even with big setbacks, he never quite lets it get him down. Yeah. It's interesting that the author basically trained himself to draw so late in life as well, because maybe that's paralleling a little bit what's happening mm. with the drummer in this volume. I actually mm, thought, yeah. who's just like <laughs> sitting in the room going, yeah, okay, I guess I'll learn to drum. I'm moved by your passion. I'm going to do it. And he sucks because that's that's kind of what happens. Yeah. But I thought yeah. that in particular, his dealing with realizing the limitations of what he was doing and what he could do was actually so well handled. Like about it not being melodramatic and about it not being like, you know, silly, but like, yeah, I feel like shit and I'm just like low energy now and I don't want to engage and I want to go eat all the foods that I like that are comfort foods and I want to yeah. sit and fucking cry about it for a while because I'm upset. That was really real. Like that was really real. And that was actually mm-hmm. like so good, actually. Yeah. And then the like subtle, like Sawabe going to uh to die, you left him behind. Like that was really good. That was anti-shonen mm-hmm. to me. That was like, hmm. it doesn't matter how good you are. And if you're the star and if you're of Goku, if you've let Krillin die and you let Yamcha die and you let everyone around you die, there's no Gokus. This is a team. Like, we're all going to win. We have to win together. That was like, wow, that you came in like unshonen protagonists, your shonen protagonist, and then made it about yeah, like. He didn't even want him on the band. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even want him part. there. But yeah, he's yeah. like, if you're going to, if you're going to screw this up, like, if you're going to do this, like, do it better. I thought that was great. I thought that was really good. <laughs> I like the the fact that the drummer's progress, it made a lot of sense where it's like, yeah, of course he absolutely sucks at the beginning, but then there's just, there's that burst, that initial burst where he, he actually gets relatively good quickly, but then there's that plateau. And I think mm. almost every kind of artist experiences that. We're just like, Oh, I know how to do this and this and this, like, I'll be great. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Well, like, what comes once you're at that stage like the work becomes a lot harder after that and that's true of martial arts as well like i i do capoeira and there was a point like when i was first getting started where i was like hey train with these kids you know get used to the basic motions and foundational stuff 
Yeah. And at first, you know, you're like, I'm an adult, this sucks. But like you learn to move slowly and to work with people and to sort of humble yourself and like submit to the process. Mm. Yeah. And then the you beat the works. hell out of those kids. <laughs> yeah. And you feel so good. That's exactly what happened, actually. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. I've got like two feet on them. It was super easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happened at Tamada's drum lesson, right? All the little kids. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was, that was so touching. It was such the a great scene. smacking his butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just that girl just going, you're good. <laughs> just crying. Maybe my favorite scene in the book. Yeah. So I hadn't quite, realized quite the like reader viewpoint aspect until Chip mentioned it. And then while Chris was talking, I was like, wow, it totally is that because of how his story art goes through the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes him maybe the most not relatable, sympathetic, like the easiest character to like step into his shoes. Yeah. Let's yeah. Say. Cause like yeah. Yuki Nori is a kind of talent that I've never been, you know, I've, there's been things that I've learned to maybe where I could feel like die sometimes, but Tamada is just like, I suck and I want to get better. How do I get better? Yeah. Oh, school. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Can I ask you something based Deb, based on what you said? Hmm. Do any of you guys play music? I'm learning guitar. I used to know recorder, and I'm also learning Birenbao, play the capoeira instrument. Oh, okay. I can play piano. You play oh, piano, wow. Chip? I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, a, a, l- a little bit. Like Basically, in like grade 7, grade 8, I convinced my parents to buy me like a Casio keyboard. And I nice. learned how to... I bought like a bunch of like kind of easy play song books with like where you take the stickers and put them on the keyboard so you know which one's a which one's g and then i learned i learned to play new kids on the block she's my favorite girl oh wow wow played it for a girl in class that i like when it was recess time i told her to stay back a little bit and i just played it on the piano and uh she became my first girlfriend i'm just like oh i like this yeah amazing (laughs) i like this this is much this is much better than uh, art like i'll draw you a cartoon and yes yeah, so I, I i like all during high school just self-taught like i can do chords if there's a songbook and there's chords in there i can just i can just kind of bang something out mm. and i can read a little bit of sheet music but i've never actually been trained and it's one of those things that it's i, I kind of regret not going for piano lessons because it's one of, one of the situations where it's probably too late for me like to go back and like figuring it out the correct way after I've learned the completely wrong way. I don't know yeah. if I could do that. Uh, but yeah. It's interesting because I think, I think I'm, I can see some of the mechanics of how the story is being put together. I would actually welcome any of your impressions here. But basically, if you start off and it's like someone who's learning to play this thing, right? Then you start off where your reader is, where you're learning with that person. It's your like explainer manga. It's like bringing you up to speed. But as soon as it turns out that they're like a super genius, you've lost the reader. You've you've left them behind, right? So all of a sudden in volume five, you've got to introduce a new character who's also a, an entry point character who's like, I can relate to this person's struggles. Because if you're just this reader who's sitting in this room with these two super geniuses making piano and stuff like that, like that to me seems like why that character was added. I'm curious because Chip, you're making can- a face. Yeah, yeah. I always make a face when you talk, but this is a, I think it's helpful to have that character in there, but I don't think it's necessary because everyone thinks they're a super genius on some level. Mm. And the story here is the fact that the super geniuses aren't yet recognized for their super genius. Like if the story was, if the story was they're great and everyone around them says they're great and they're super successful, 
and they're not working like the lousy job as well mm-hmm. to like scrape things together, then then it becomes a, a lot less relatable. But yeah, so I don't think you necessarily need that the the drummer character. Like I would read the story and I'd be like, oh okay, this is interesting. I still like the dynamics of them trying to climb their way while having these kind of innate abilities. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of readers kind of feel they have innate abilities that nobody else can see. It's kind of why I love, you know, superhero comics when I was a kid. Like, I would walk through my class and be like, they don't know that I could destroy them with a single punch, just like <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> I'm super smart. I'll create web fluid one day. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with Chip. No, or, go ahead. No, no, I want to, I want to, I want to. Because there's, the, you look at it, and there's the scene where it's like the two of them are in the apartment. Dai brings Sawabe home for the first time, and you know, Tadama shows up, and he's like, constantly just like, "Who are these people? This is my <laughs> house." These two nerds going off about their nerd thing, like that is, I think, absolutely supposed to be the stand-in for the reader at this point. And it's in a salaryman manga as well. Like it's in, it's in big comic from Shogakukan in Japan. So it's just this idea of like someone who played some music in school might, you know, be reading this and getting along with it and might be able to like get along to a certain point. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. You guys loved the scenes that that character's in though. And you, everyone has called out (laughs) loving a scene he's in because I do think he does bring something really integral to the story. So that's my, yeah, no, I think I, I, I think it's a great character and I think, I think it does work as kind of a, a reader entry point for sure. Yeah. I would probably, I, I would enjoy the book probably as much without that character because I think the author would find some other kind of fun secondary characters. Like, you know, like a character could be really good at something, but also lousy at other things. Like there's a book, I don't know. Has Have you guys read, Chris, have you read Scott Pilgrim before? Have not. Scott who? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott's great at fighting. Like, let's just... Super fantastic. I have no doubt he's going to win every match, but he's a screw up in every other way. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, those, those characters, that's why they work so well. It's like, because they'll have that one really, that thing they could do super well. But yeah. then, like, their love life is lousy, or they treat their friend poorly, or something. I love that they showed him practicing drum under a towel, like, right <laughs> after he kind of got the first taste. Yeah. Because that's totally what you're talking <laughs> that was about. So it's good. like, it's mm-hmm. like passion plus, like, not being good at something and knowing how to, like, train. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Deb, I feel like we haven't let you say anything for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's, yeah, sorry, what's Deb. going on, Deb? <laughs> no, no, it's just there's like Yukino starts out like a real dick, right? Like he's a real yeah. jerk, a real arrogant yeah. shit to to die. And then there's that moment where they go to the take two bar and he actually plays for him and the bar owner the first time. And then Yukino goes, Yeah, 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 good, good. And he's so dead. How was it? How was it? How was it? How was it? Because yeah, 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 good, whatever, bye, see you later. And then as soon as Dai leaves, the, you know, you know, breaks down in tears. Like I could hear how hard he worked, and you know, I, like, and it just made me, it just moved me. But he didn't yeah. dare show that to Dai. And then every now and then he's had these moments, like after their first show, where they had like three people in the audience. He goes to Tamada and says, "You you made a hundred and something mistakes, but you weren't as bad as you thought you were." You weren't as bad as I thought you were going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which is even better, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's something kind of nice about that. Like, he's not a total irredeemable, arrogant shit. Mm -hmm. But in the upcoming volumes, 
because he he thinks so, so highly of his of his talent and his potential, he's the one who actually gets more setbacks than Dai does and takes it harder. And these yeah. moments are really interesting because like Tamata's on his way up, right? So everything, no matter what, he, he's coming from pure struggle. Mm-hmm. And every little plateau he reaches is a triumph. Yeah. Whereas Yukinora thinks he's at the top already, just waiting to get just that next bit higher. Mm-hmm. And whenever, but his arrogance sometimes puts him at odds with older professionals, mm. which is really interesting, you know? Because on one hand, he's like, oh, I want to be with other 18-year-olds in a band just to show these old people, you know, what your young people can do. And that's, you know, that's youth, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, I'm going to show these guys. And I think at the end, there's this part where the, the guitarist reminisces. And he goes, oh, this. there's something that just goes beyond just music. But I think in the end, it's about, you know, who you met when. You meet a lot of people, and then you improve yourself, and you go on winning. And there's one thing that people who go on winning have in common. A common temperament, you might say, or a habit. Here it is. They don't look back. Winners never look back. Never. That's really cute. I mean, it's kind of like, that's a, that's a, a that man is, saying yeah. something, right? Like, not, that's not something yeah. a, a young person would say. So that's what, there's some moments in this manga that you go like, yeah, this is definitely a seinen manga. Because it comes from that point of view. Mm. Of, you know, I, that speech was interesting because I didn't like it at first. I was like, oh, this is like the Michael Jordan philosophy of success, which is uh, that everyone's expendable. Yeah, yeah. But the last panel where he's like, but I don't want to do that. I don't care about winning or losing. I just want to play with my friends. I was like, oh, this pulls it back together mm. because it shows yeah. that Dai and his friends are on a certain journey, like trying to get to the top while the old guy has seen the top and he's like, it's fine, but it's not as good as the people I met back then. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's also funny because like, I think it's the scene before where he's watching them and he decides to go up and join them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He asks for the guitar and he's like, Guitar, he's like, I'm gonna go get my ass kicked. Yeah. Like he knows he knows that. Like yeah. he's kind of like, Oh, this is fun. Like that, I, I love that. That was a I hell love of a so to add that volume on too. That actually yeah, that, yeah. that scene made me want to read the next book more than anything. And it was all pretty good too. So like yeah. Yeah. but like just the idea that yeah, like, oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I liked it. And also the nerve of ending a scene with one character then starting the next chapter with the same character, like on the same spread, mm. is so good. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, oh, I'm going to see what's going to happen next. And it's like, oh, this is 15 years in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was wild. I want to ask you guys about, because that's an interesting structure about Blue Giant. What ends up happening is there's this interesting conceit at the end of every volume of Blue Giant is that you get to see these characters that you met in the previous part of the chapter, and they are maybe 10, 15 years older. And they're reminiscing. They're like talking to a documentary filmmaker about how they knew Dai back then and their impressions of him and contra- contrasting it with what they're implying is that he's not this world famous jazz musician you know, who sells out concerts everywhere. Mm. So there's this gap, right, between where he is and where he'll eventually be. And you don't know how he's going to get there. But this manga kind of like, even from volume one, this happens. They, they let you know that there's a, there's something that's going to happen in the future, and you, but you don't know how he's going to get there. What were your, your reactions to that? Because I've never seen that before. It was a little, it was probably the most pat thing about the book for me. Because I feel mm. like I have seen this kind of like behind the music VH1 thing before. Mm. 
but it wasn't bad because it was still executed at like a really interesting level. Like the things they were talking about was good. The settings were pretty interesting. The first one threw me off with the lady at the end of volume five. Yeah. Mm. I didn't quite get what they were doing at first. But then I was like, oh, okay, this is flash forward in the volume thing, which is a good gimmick, I think, definitely, for building yeah. hype. Yeah, it's basically Better Call Saul. Oh! <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every season. Fewer Cinnabons. Yeah, exactly. I have to bring it back to you, David, because in the beginning, you hunted there was something that didn't quite work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> good, good, Deb. <laughs> I'm glad. I don't know if this is specific to me alone or not. Let me find the page real quick. It was in the 40s, I believe. It's after Yukinori and Dai meet outside of the bar, and they're talking. And at one point, Dai says "dead ass," mm. and it like pulled me all the way out of the book because yeah. I feel like I've only heard black people say that, and only black people from New York or the South. Mm. And it made me wonder, like, wait. What the heck is a Sendai accent supposed to be like? You know, what does Dai sound like? What are, what are they trying to emulate here? Yeah. And, you know, it's just a way of saying, you know, they say, oh, it's how we say for sure up in Sendai. But it's such a specifically New York thing when said a certain way. and such a Southern thing was said another way that it's like, whatever it is, when you see something that contradicts everything you know is true and like your brain skips a beat, <laughs> it was like that for me. <laughs> uh. That's funny. When, when, when that came up, it pulled me out too, because, but... Because I, I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> I'd never it's heard the term before. Serious. Oh. Yeah, it's short for dead ass serious. Okay, all right. And New all Yorkers right. just do the first part, but people from the South usually do the whole phrase because uh, we have class. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it struck me because overall, this was a really smooth localization. Yeah. I feel like there's mm. some interesting, I don't want to say liberties. It reads like the person who wrote it is also a writer as well as a translator. Yeah. Like there are yeah. some translators who just do the transfer from one language to another. And there are others who kind of like polish it a little bit differently. And this felt pretty polished. Like they talked like people, which was cool. Yeah. I really like the translation, but yeah, dead ass stood out for me as well. (laughs) Not not the same geographical issues that David presents, but like, I was just like, I get what they're trying to do there by showing he's got like a very specific hometown kind of slang. Maybe that was in volumes one to four and we didn't get to it, you know? Yeah. And people in Sendai do have their own slang for sure. They have a they have their own dialect, especially outside of the main city. So yeah, I don't know, but I yeah I didn't love that. But that was <laughs> that was one was and like a half pages. pages ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one one thing that almost pulled me out a few times was the which hadn't before, which was the the dual translations of the sound effects, oh, leaving yeah. the original, mm. because I felt like. There were so many sound effects in this that, like, it's funny when they go to see the jazz player from America mm-hmm. and, like, the player is about to walk up to stage and everyone's clapping and going, yeah, yeah. But it's also it's it's also the Japanese sound effects. And it's like the most cluttered, mm-hmm. weird little panel. Mm-hmm. But the, the one that almost, like, wrecked it for me was when Dai holds the long note. Oh, <laughs> Because in the the Japanese sound effect on that, like they have the vertical panels. I don't know which page it's on because I've mm. just got the screen grabs. Oh, yeah, that page where's the vertical Ooh, yeah panel, and like the Japanese sound effect just turns into the long bar, and then right next to it is like toot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I did not need to see that because it doesn't it doesn't suit and it's got no energy at all. 
Yeah. I don't think English has a good onomatopoeia for a trumpet that doesn't look ridiculous. And, <laughs> yeah. I honestly, on, and lettering, from a lettering point of view, I've had to do that a couple yeah. of times lately, that long bar. Man, it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't work, especially when it's vertical like that. We just don't have that in English. So no. leaving it in, like I think they should have just left it in and, and glossed it instead because they take out a ton of Japanese sound effects. And I got to say, I actually noticed it because right at the beginning on page 17, I guess, when <laughs> right, like right at the beginning, dies in the washroom and he's like peeing, right? And it's like he was really doing it with just his left hand, just bass because the, the sound effect is almost attached to the bottom of his like narration voiceover. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a little weird. But also, they clearly got rid of the Japanese sound effect in this one. That's okay. But yeah, they did leave them in a little bit later as well, which is like a choice. And I don't know if that's... I think we've actually mentioned that Seven Seas has a house style before on lettering, yeah. and it's mm -hmm. sort of come up. And it, you know, every publisher does their own way of doing things. But that this is... It threw me in some of the music stuff for sure. I yeah. think I figured out their house style while reading this because that was something else that was in my brain. Like I do this for a living, so I can't help but yeah. look at the choices they make that I don't, you know, yeah. or, you know, differences. And I think that what they do is they don't change any sound effects that would require a lot of retouch. Uh, okay. So over mm -hmm. a crowd scene, for instance, like in the bathroom scene makes sense because his shirt's just two tones and then the urinal is a similar tone. So very easy to do. But if yeah. you look on the lower right where he's drinking in the bar, the chatter are still there because it's over like a wood grain pattern, which is way harder to do in Photoshop. Yeah. If you go to page 38 in the upper left-hand corner, it's maybe the first time that both the Japanese, it's when he's like sorting rocks or whatever the hell his job is. That was the weirdest <laughs> thing. Uh, but they've left in- Sorting rocks. Sorting rocks for a living. You know, move to Tokyo, work for the big city. But they've left <laughs> the Japanese in and the English next to it. And it's a little bit closer, yeah. but the, the hand-drawn obviously is, is really nice on those. But I feel yeah. like, did the author, like, are some of them digital and they could just remove those easily, but some of them were baked in? Like, I would love to know. And mm -hmm. if you're the letterer who's listening to this, because that happens sometimes, first off, you know, sorry, but we would just love to know what's going on with some of these. Because, yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. it's totally removed. Sometimes it's there. And it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I hate yeah. I hate that you're going to get a page in that's flat where you can't, you have to redo the sound effects on your own. I'm kind of dealing with that on something else right now. And I, I have all respect in the world for letterers who actually go in and do that kind of research. It's a ton of work, especially on like the next couple pages later where it's the Tokyo scene. Mm. When it's Ando, where it's like the, the, the burn over the, over the building and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't want to go in and have to redraw that building with all that like hand done yeah. hatching and shit <laughs> yeah. like that. That'd yeah. be awful to try and match his pen line. But at the same time, I think I would have preferred consistency and just had the Japanese throughout glossing. That's my that's my take. Oh. There's like speaking of the long bar, in that same panel, the vroom sound effect in Japanese, it actually trails off after the long bar. It turns into an ellipsis. Yeah, like a dot dot. Which I've never seen before. Yeah, this guy's doing hmm. some stuff with with comics here that is Yeah. I gotta say, yeah. it's it's really neat to hear that he was older and starting because there is some stuff in here that's like he he's doing some things that aren't how things are done i guess and that might be mm -hmm. because you know he's he's coming at it kind of fresh without having been like a lifelong you know devotee of manga it doesn't read exactly like there's a lot of there's almost no diagonal panels for example i don't know mm -hmm. if you guys noticed that oh. everything huh. is right angles in this book and even for a seinen manga you know which is generally a little bit more traditionally laid out let's say 
it's weird to not have almost anything with diagonals in it. And this is something that's like the way he wants to communicate what's going on. It does read a little bit like a TV show at points. Hmm. I will say that I am looking forward to the, the feature film version of this story because it'll mm. be really nice to hear the music yeah. along with, with action and the story. There was another music manga that I read uh, called Those Snow White Notes, which is about uh, a shamisen. Mm. Oh, cool. It's really, it's, I think Kodaja published like the first six volumes and then paused it. I don't know why. But one, the anime improved on it a lot. It conde- Like we said before with uh, Watakoi, they condensed and streamlined the story, got rid of a lot of extraneous stuff. But also they got like the uh, Yoshida brothers to play the music. Oh, wow. Amazing, really? Amazing, virtuoso, like uh, modern shamisen players. Yeah. So you get to hear the music and you get to hear the, because so much of the story is about this player plays with this style and this emotion and this player plays with this style and this emotion. So I kind of wonder how they're going to get Dai's sound because they make such a big deal on how Dai, whose name means big, has a big sound. (laughs) Like, (laughs) who are they going to get to play this, you know? And how are they going to make it sound like, wow, yeah, like this mind-blowingly, this mind-blowing raw talent. How are you going to express that? The audio equivalent of CG. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because like you know I, I started off by saying that like one of the issues with reading this is the fact that like it, it's about sound and you don't hear any sound, so it's very hard to kind of like mm. you know conjure that up. But the flip side is you do, of course, conjure something. So when you do end up watching the live action. Like, will that ruin this? Like, all of a sudden, that sound be in your head when you read this? Mm. I mean, I, I, I've, I've mentioned it before, <laughs> I think, <laughs> on this podcast of, of going to see, well, there were two, going to see Sin City in the in the theater and Watchmen in the theater and just being like, oh, that's what this sounds like said out <laughs> loud. Oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, finding it very hard to read those books again without those voices in my head kind of wrecking it <laughs> so <laughs> i wonder i wonder if that i mean this is it would be more important here for that kind of that that kind of infiltration of your brain with like the live action so i'd be i'd be curious to see it, how that when, when does it come out like later this year so yeah all right I, we should all watch it together yeah do we have video manga splitting there you go yeah or video splitting <laughs> yeah I like jazz, but I wouldn't say I'm a jazz like fan. I don't know a lot of jazz stuff, mm-hmm. but I know like artists that I like. So I actually mm-hmm. heard a lot of this book while I was reading. Like when they mentioned Art Blakey, mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite musicians who I actually discovered through Kids on the Slope, the anime. Ah, yes. Because That's his song Monin, <laughs> yeah, it's basically this, but in the 60s. But his song Monin is amazing. Like if I had to describe what jazz sounds like, that would be the one. But there's also... Yuji Ono, who did the Lupin the Third like soundtracks for decades now, mm. is like a really celebrated jazz musician. He has like mm. several different jazz bands and things like that. So actually, I think a lot of the jazz I listen to on a regular basis is Japanese more than American. Mm. But I was still curious how they would treat the like Japanese characters doing music from a black art form that was then co-opted by white people in between all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they mostly just don't bring it up. Well, that comes up in the next couple arcs. So, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. This, is, this is the first series, Blue Giant. It's 10 volumes. The, the next series is called Blue Giant Supreme, where Dai goes to Europe. Mm, okay. Teams up with other, other musicians from Germany and from Netherlands and stuff like that. And so 
he comes up across a lot of a lot of resistance from people. Like he goes, like he tries to do what he did in Tokyo. He goes yeah. to a club and says, "Hey, I'm a saxophone player. Can I play in your club?" And he he out and out gets people saying, "We don't know Asian jazz. No, thank you." Mm. Like he gets he gets out and out turned out just because of him being Japanese. And then the next series after that, which is running now, is called Blue Giant Explorer. And this is when Blue, he goes to America. Awesome. So he does. He's right now. It's like on volume six, and he's on his road trip through the. Jeez. Starts in Seattle, and he road trips down to San Francisco, down to L.A., and so he's basically discovering the roots of jazz. That's great. Yeah, because the only other one I can think of is Me and the Devil Blues, I think, yeah. <laughs> which was not that realistic. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's interesting, right? Because like in the volume one, in the bonus blue section. There's a section where he's Ishizuka's talking with his editor, and he says, "Hmm, says so you know jazz?" And he goes, "Yes." I, Ishizuka says, "Yes, I do." And they start laughing. And then the editor says, "Funny thing about paper, it can't make sounds. You know that, right?" And then Ishizuka says, <laughs> "Well, it does make a sound if you hit the book." Too <laughs> sure. Actually, okay. There you go. There you go. So they kind of see what they're up against. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think naming the songs they're playing in a few bits was a really smart move. Like the song Avalon, they mentioned when he does the long note and makes all those people mad. Mm. That's an Al Jolson song from like the 20s, like an old jazz standard. So there's like a little bit that I was getting where I was like, oh, this like, this actually feels really good. It's, I don't think it's, it didn't feel like an explainer manga to me, but I feel like no. I was still kind of absorbing stuff, you know? Yeah. It's not didactic. They did make one mistake in volume one where they called moaning, mourning. Mm. <laughs> that could be a font thing with the R and the A. I know. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you decide. <laughs> but there was kind of like that, what did you eat yesterday? First volume tr translation problem when you don't know the material that well. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to translate it from katakana or Japanese sounding out. So oh, like, I saw the funniest one of these on Twitter that we uh, have to put in the show notes ooh. where someone was doing subtitles on the first Ninja Turtles movie in mm -hmm. the UK. And I guess they don't have Jose Canseco, the baseball player in the UK. <laughs> so the line of, you know, my Jose Canseco bat is like, Jose Canseco, like the watch. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just what you're saying with like, they didn't mm. know the reference and they, yeah. they tried. <laughs> They got close. <laughs> so was even better. Yeah, honestly, I want the yeah. watch. Like, they yeah. need to make it now. <laughs> uh, I see. I think we gave it a pretty good go-round of uh, Blue Giant. I mean, I guess any, any, thought, any thoughts on, like, what resonated for you or, I guess, you know, like, favorite moment? I'll say my favorite drawing on the page I'm looking at right now is, like, my final thought kind of thing is on page 390 when like Dai is really getting down on the on the tenor sax and he's drawn like hunched over like he's surrounded by music notes mm. and it's like when Goku goes super saiyan or something like the first time this one oh that oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. we're just like all the speed lines all the like action storytelling is just focused on making you be impressed by this one moment this individual in time and then the underneath, like the tier of panels beneath him, is the old man like lowering his sunglasses to hide his feelings. Mm. So like this is <laughs> catnip for me. 
Yeah, they rarely use notes in here. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really interesting choice because it would have been easy to lean on it, you know, just made that like the thing every time music starts. But yeah, they, yeah. they only like really sparingly used it, which I thought was really cool. Which is super smart, too, because like if you uh, read sheet music, you'll, you'll actually kind of you'll read it the same way we would read dialogue. And it, uh, that would probably take you out, too, if it wasn't. Yeah, like, true, true. You can't just put random stuff like, OK, so this is a weird aside note, but you know, Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah, the Garden yeah. of Earthly mm-hmm. Delights. There's one character in a small corner <laughs> that has something coming out of his butt, and it's music. And someone actually played it, like like took the notes, and <laughs> they called it like butt music from the Garden of Earthly Delights. It's so good. <laughs> as soon as you said Bosch, I knew where it was going. <laughs> going into the show notes, people. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, Chris, any memorable moments or anything that you thought stood out or was kind of notable I gave it for a, you? A quicker read probably than I should have, but had a lot of energy. And I actually the thing that stood out to me was how to, how real Tokyo seemed. I I kind of feel like I could just show up at Tokyo at any time and this manga author is gonna be drawing in the corner of like a bar <laughs> I would go to. So that's kind of nice. I actually really miss Tokyo. So that was that was it was a little bit like going home a little bit, which felt very, very good. And I actually am really curious to see what it's going to be like to read like Blue Giant Supreme and, and, and whatnot to see how he tackles dealing with these other real world locations. I wonder if it gets the same love and attention or if it just becomes sort of pan Europe at a certain point. Yeah, <laughs> Japan loves its pan European everything all at once. Oh, we call that Europa now. It's a whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does go, the author does go to Europe and do research. Oh, good. Are- mm. So he, he does capture Berlin and Hamburg. Yeah. And I think, I feel like it touched me actually a little bit in a way I wasn't expecting, which was really nice. And I think it resonated in a nice way. And it's one of those things that was like, oh, right. Manga's good at making you care about shit you didn't think you cared about. It's kind of why I picked, we just, I just listened to the, the episode we did on Dick Fight Island. And it's why I picked Cross Game because I don't give two shits about baseball and I never have. <laughs> But wow, man, is cross game good? Even Jose Canseco, even uh, on, even uh, owner of <laughs> the best Seiko watch. No, I, <laughs> I, I don't. And I and jazz is something that like I've actually had a pretty adversarial relationship to, to getting dragged to clubs where I did not enjoy the music, but thought I liked oh. jazz because I liked the different performers. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. this was this was really good. I like manga. It turns out, and I recommend it. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've I've got a question for everyone. What music did you have in your head oh, when I, I, reading? I was actually not going to say it, but characters. Tank by Yoko Kano. <laughs> the second anyone started playing in this, it was the theme song to Cowboy Bebop, regardless of what they said they were going to play, because I didn't recognize the <laughs> And when he's talking about the piano, like, yeah, it was, it was just it was just Yoko Kano's tank. So. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I was. Heard. I heard yeah. the whole book. Okay. <laughs> Mine is. I heard Monin on almost every song, but different parts of the song. So like maybe the drum parts, maybe like the jazzier parts. But like they showed, they mentioned his name. The song is so catchy to me that it's eight minutes long. It's just all in my head. Mm. And I don't know it made the book kind of fun, even though I wasn't hearing the music. I knew it wasn't the music as intended. Yeah. It still felt like the spirit of the endeavor. Yeah. Mm. Deb. I'm. I'm admittedly a real shallow jazz <laughs> listener. Like I don't know that much at all. So all I heard was Giant Steps by Coltrane. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> I, that's one of the f- like maybe ten jazz records I have. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, Chipper. What, what was yours? Art ensemble of Chicago themed a yo-yo. Which wow, wow. If you yeah. If any of you know it, it, it's awesome and it's loud and it's powerful and experimental. So it's just like whenever they talk about Dai's kind of power, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's like hmm. like theme to yo-yo. Oh, nice. Yeah. It also has like some of my favorite lyrics of all time. Your fanny's like two sperm whales floating down the sand. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I have to well. check this out. This sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want our listeners to tell us what songs they heard, too. Because I feel like this is a book yeah. where it invites you to fill in the blanks. Oh, like, when absolutely. it doesn't name a song. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. here's how this feels. You decide how it sounds. Yeah, I definitely want to hear what everyone, everyone's music in their head was. Yeah. My final thought, I actually want to, instead of giving my final thought, I want to touch on two more things. Uh, one is <laughs> one of my favorite parts which is the flyers that he's handing out when you finally see the flyer (laughs) (laughs) in the corner. It's just a picture of them eating Korean barbecue. Loved it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so, so good. I, uh, I remember, okay, so this is, I mean, there are parts of this that are embarrassing to me still to this day, but I was in a band very briefly. Me and my buddies uh, formed a band and very experimental. We called ourselves experimental electronic jazz just because it was just really, really bad and borrowed some leather pants for our only ever performance. And we named our band based on kind of a, a weird mishearing of a, a title of a song. And also the fact that our opening act, which is our friend who's a DJ, always started off with this is, I, I must stress, this was in like the year 2000. Uh, he always started off with Bill Cosby records. <laughs> and so our band name was We Bill Cosby, the town of rock and roll. So <laughs> all across Toronto, we had these posters up. Listen, We Bill Cosby, the town of rock and roll, playing at the Cloak and Dagger this Thursday. Wow. <laughs> and it was one of the best and the worst nights of my life. <laughs> it was really... It's really, really amazing. So when I saw this, when I saw them talking about this poster, I'm just like, oh, that is like almost exactly like the kind of stupid shit that was on our poster. (laughs) So, yeah, that was a nice memory. And also the name, the terrible, terrible name brings me to my next point, which is (laughs) what did you think of their band name? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've only uh, seen J A S S as part of a joke about Hugh, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, Chris, we can't hear you. I loved it and I thought it was a typo <laughs> and then it was correct. Went right to huge yeah. ass and I'm like, is it a joke? Are they yeah. gonna reveal that it's huge ass or it's like die? They don't jazz? mention it after that. Right? Like big jet ja- big ja- no yeah. nothing. Don't mention it at all. So uh, yeah, I loved it and quite funny, quite funny. Your yeah. your band Travails is pretty <laughs> good too actually. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> That's oh, hey, my my pleasure. I played oh, I should mention the the one song that was kind of my song to play and sing was Maneater. <laughs> so so <laughs> I was in a cowboy hat and my leather pants and I was just like banging 
banging out Maneater while I was singing it. And oh my God, uh, uh, the the our DADS, yes. Ben Ben Shannon, his job was to play alto sax in the crowd, even though he'd never played sax in his life. <laughs> so I'm playing Maneater, and he's going to the crowd up to people and just <laughs> blowing as loud as he could. It was the worst. It was the worst. Uh, I don't think I've ever had so much fun. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> performance art more than music, actually. But. Oh, it was. It was. It was total performance art. And yes, I did get laid that night. <laughs> yeah, there it goes. Nice. Leather pants always work, people. That's why they Leather wear them. Leather pants, it always works. Amazing. But it's so, it's just, they stick to you after a performance like that. It's mm-hmm. hard to get them off, the heat of the moment. Anyways. Talcum Chris's powder face right now is killing him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, those are my final thoughts. I'm going to make an observation about Blue Giant that I guess has been on my mind and probably is going to ruin it for people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but that for a seinen manga, like when a, when a, we had a best and worst manga panel for librarians in New York Comic Con, and one of the librarians recommended Blue Giant as a sh- for teens. And usually seinen manga is not really good for teens. Like, it's usually very grown up. <laughs> yeah. This manga is almost asexual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meaning, like, to me, yep. Dai, Dai is sometimes kind of like Luffy from One Piece, where he drives the story forward. He's the main character, but he seems to have no interest in women whatsoever. There's even the bit where Yukinori like has girlfriends and he's texting after their performance like for a while on his phone. <laughs> but it's also off camera. Like mm-hmm. the like even when she brings that girl like say, to say, "Hey, I'm going to meet this guy. He's got a huge dick. You want to come meet him?" and then they're like giggling at the front and then he's just like, "Okay, go away now. We got to talk about the band." Like <laughs> this was like yeah. very everything I believe about people in bands and music and all the like all the ladies and stuff is happening off panel maybe. I don't know. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yeah. I was going to say that yeah. at some point, Dai is going to run into some issues because jazz is kind of a sexual music form. It's very sensual. <laughs> it's very, there's a, there's a kind of sexual energy. So I kind of think like, I, I feel like Dai at some point in the story is going to hit a, a plateau. or He's going to hit a point where he's going to tap into that aspect of passion to take his music to the next level. And yeah. I don't know if this was on purpose for Ishizuka, but it's very, in a, not in a manly, biggest gun, you know, gun, shoot him up, you know, action packed type of thing. But it's manly in that it's it's kind of manly. It's this manly pursuit of of sex, of not perfection, work, almost. Yeah, work. Yeah, you know, yeah. Doing like being being good for the sake of your own your own enrichment or your own personal development. Like he says, there's a scene in the beginning where he says, um, "I think Dai was saying to Yukinori." to that point he says i'm just doing this i'm pouring my guts out so i can sound like me mm. mm-hmm. but that's like the I shonen thing right like mm. i'm i'm trying to be the best for myself and yukinori is such a good foil through throughout mm. that where he's constantly being like no you got to play in the frame no you can't leave your drummer behind no you've actually got to do better here and he's constantly like he's got that like that skill, that talent, that like book learning, whatever. And he's like, I'm not going to let you get away with being a solo star. If this, if you want to be in a band, if you want to go be a solo star, go be a solo star, but I'm not going to let you get away with that. And I think that that's like the best part about 
this about what makes it a seinen manga instead of a shonen manga, you know? And maybe that's good. Maybe the teens need to read a little bit of that instead of everyone being like a lone star with like a legion of like friends who are really just subordinates, which is basically shonen yeah. manga. So yeah, I said it. I said it. Come for me. <laughs> Come at me, bros. <laughs> so thank you all for reading Blue Giant. I'm so glad you guys joined me on this little journey. Put up with my little book report. <laughs> it, was so good. it was awesome. Yeah. 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 And I hope you will continue to read it, although I won't press you on it later. <laughs> the internet will. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, you could you have the power to press us on it on it later by just like assigning it. Assigning it. Yeah. <laughs> We're signing books after that. That'd be a, right? that'd be amazing if that's all you did from here on out. Just like Giant seven and eight. Here we go, guys. <laughs> yeah. I Giant nine and ten. Do seven and eight. Seven eight's terrific. And it leads up to nine and ten, which will gut you. Mm. It'll, it'll you, kick your ass. You've got to you've got to make us. <laughs> okay. Okay. You've you got, got the it. power. If, if you can make, make us read all of BL Metamorphosis, yeah, we could do this. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're gonna have to finish Akira sometime. Yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, we will be right back with more manga splaining, and I think we might be picking some books. Stay tuned. Oh. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, and we are back, and it is time for that magic moment. We are going to pick the next three books, and Chip is going to tell us how much he doesn't want to read them. Or at least he'll tell us in what order he doesn't want to read them. But that's okay. We're used to this already. All right. I am going to put David on the spot because it sounded like he had a a genius idea. (laughs) Uh, Genius is maybe slightly overselling. I think it's really (laughs) funny, and I think it might be a good time. There's an artist named Yasuo Otagaki. He draws Gundam Thunderbolt for Viz. But because I work at Viz, I would feel guilty recommending Viz books. So I would like to recommend Moonlight Mile, which he's serializing on Pixiv right now. I'm going to read from the Wikipedia so you guys kind of get the picture of it. All right. So it was serialized in the Shogakan Seinen Manga Magazine, Big Comic Superior, from 2000 to 2011, when it entered a 10-year hiatus. Hmm. And it resumed publication in December 2021. And the story follows a pair of mountain climbers who decided to become astronauts. And his goal in writing this story <laughs> was to create a realistic space drama that features political elements, too. And so it's all over the place. And I've been reading the Pixiv versions, these new ones, which are untranslated, you know, fully in Japanese. But the art and the storytelling are so interesting that I think we could get like kind of a nice little conversation out of it. And worst case scenario, we could have a short conversation and then do a bunch of Q&A. So Moonlight Mile, that's my pick. Okay, I've got a, I've got a question. How long is it? First chapter 75, to 20, it's 100 total pages. Okay. Well, once again, untranslated. All right. Read Correct. 100 pages of untranslated manga? Yeah. yeah. All right. For, for, the, for the listener at home, Chris did air quotes. I did. <laughs> with read. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Okay. Who's that? Let's go with Deb next. Deb. 
Okay. I'm going to go back to after basically giving you recommendations of books that I thought would introduce you to a genre that you weren't, that you weren't familiar with and to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, even it out a little bit. I've decided to go back to my roots of how I pick manga for you, which is the manga that I pick for manga who haven't read much manga before. And it You're is right. Throwback. Witch Hat Atelier. Oh, wow. lovely. Which, which is a beautiful fantasy story about a young girl who learns how to be a witch. But she learns how to be a witch in a very interesting way. She learns that in, the, in their world, witches cast spell by drawing, drawing symbols and figures. And by drawing them in a certain way, it, it conjures up magic. But what she does is she meets a, a witch and she admires what he's doing. And he, she discovers the secret because no one's supposed to know the secret. And so she tries to copy what he did. And she accidentally turns her mother into a stone statue. Oh. So, mm. so this, the, the witch who she learns this from says, normally I have to erase your memory, but I'm going to take you with me and I'm going to train you to be a witch. So what's really lovely about this book is one, the drawing is spectacular. Just right. beautiful storytelling. She she does world building, but in a kind of in a not in a heavy way. And it's also all ages friendly to me, I feel. It's fantasy and magical and her just dazzling visual storytelling, imaginative and a surprise a minute. Like it's not predictable, it's not pat. I think you'll really enjoy this. It it has wonderful lessons to tell about storytelling. It is another okay. book about drawing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Kamami Shirahama also did beautiful artwork for Doctor Strange and a couple other Marvel books before she did this. Interior <laughs> works or covers? Uh, like covers. Oh no, she oh, did cool. interiors too. She <laughs> actually did a Doctor Strange graphic novel that Marvel <laughs> published. They did the English translation on that one, and it's well. Why don't we read that movie. instead? No, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what's kind of amazing about this is she wrote it too so it's such okay. masterful storytelling mm. compared to her previous work which was about an angel and a devil woman who just kind of are goofballs oh i read that <laughs> was that any yeah, yeah, that was yeah. yeah it's fun but it's more grown up and, and comical this is more serious but just really beautifully told so I, i'm curious to see what you think about it yeah so is it like a done in one <laughs> or is it like a volume one it's a, we're only going to read volume one because I think like A Bride Story, you'll get the, the flavor of it just from just the first volume. And you'll either okay. be sold or, or not into it. Okay, cool. Chris, what do you have that I will pick third? <laughs> it hurts my feelings. I actually wanted to do something ridiculous and just pick whatever the best-selling book of last year was. And <gasps> the best-selling book of last year is Attack on Titan volume one. <laughs> The problem is that Attack on Titan Volume 1 is not very good. That series gets way better later on. Whether it ever actually gets good is up to you. But second best-selling manga (laughs) of last year was My Hero Academia, which is a Japanese superhero team comic. And I think that's a better fit for Chip. I think that it would make for because I like superheroes. No, because I just don't want to hear you bitch about Attack on Titan for like full forty five (laughs) minutes. So I think it's a better fit, and I think I think it gives me real like Generation X by Chris Pachalo vibes. It's someone who really has read a lot of superhero comics and kind of internalized them and turned out something that is halfway between. I guess we we read Naruto halfway Mm -hmm. between that and like a contemporary Marvel superhero film. 
really interesting book from a couple of different angles, but it also just works as like, it was my, my nephew's like favorite comic for a while. So yeah, my hero academia, I think well, just volume one, if you like it, you can read more. <laughs> all right. All right. Can we get your nephew on maybe too, as a guest commentator? <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to my brother and see if we get him on for a couple of quick questions about what he thought about the book. I think that'd be good. Right now he's hooked on Bleach, actually, which is ah excellent. Yeah, when he gets finished with that, maybe we'll bring him on and him and Dave can just go to town on Bleach. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. This is interesting. This is this is a tough choice. I'm gonna go reverse. I gotta tell you what I'm picking last. Uh oh, Deb. I'm sorry. Which hat Atelier is going last? Only because uh, it's about <laughs> art. Ah, okay. And we've done a lot of we've done a lot of art. Though I the fact that it's beautiful it is almost made me bump it up one. Stunning. It is a stunning book. All right. And now I'm gonna reveal what my number one choice is. <laughs> Drum roll. Chris, you done did it. My hero academia, volume Woo! one. <laughs> I'm so happy for Chris right now. I'm pretty happy myself. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, I, I've, I've had enough people talk about it. Mm. And like, artists I work with do fan art of it. I know Scott Snyder is into it through his kids. And I'm like, okay, I should, this is something I should actually probably know about. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's why, that's why you, you win this week. David, uh, mountain climber astronauts. He almost he almost got the number one spot. If it was actually translated, uh, <laughs> it, may, it may have been uh, number one. I wish but, I knew a manga translator that could do this for us. In oh, this wow. amount of time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So yeah, those are those are those are my choices. Those are good Sweet. good choices. Thank yeah. you. Very honored. Thank you. Very honored. Yeah. Thank been a year. This would be a fun mix. Go first. <laughs> Yeah. Yay. And for our listeners, you can use the Google Translate app on your phone to kind of like air quotes read untranslated manga. (laughs) It's not perfect, but you'll kind of get in the parking lot of the ballpark, let's say. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yep. All right. That was a nice set of of very different books than the last three that we picked. So I think season three is off to a roaring start. We're going to have a lot of fun this time. I'm looking forward to next week's episode, which is going to be taking us down a dark, strange road. (laughs) We're going to read Die Dark by Q Hayashida. Look forward to it, people. We'll see you then. been manga explaining episode 64 blue giant volume 5 and 6 by shinichi ishizuka thanks for listening for our next episode we'll be reading die dark volume 1 by q hayashida want to pick up a copy please consider supporting your local comic book or manga specialty shop find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options you can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com and don't forget to check out our newsletter and publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thank you to DADS for their musical accompaniment for this episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.